and welcome to Deep Impact, a proud member of the Doof Network, where we dive deep into Arbo's most second work five years on. Coming up next is Elliot Diebold. And that was Ruben Morehouse. And we are back to talk about Collateral 4.10, and Blake is invited inside by the uh, guy with the shotgun uh, that he uh, <laughs> faced off at the end of the previous chapter, and he is surprised to find that the knights seem to be exactly who he expected to hang out in a, in a roadside convenience store. Yeah, and so I guess for the rest of the chapter we're referring to this guy as Shotgun Knight, because that's mm-hmm. what Blake refers to him as in his <laughs> Which monologue. Which is a great name for a, for a character. Do you think it's a burn to say that he's not surprised? I mean, that's kind of how Blake sees it. Oh, uh, like, that he's not surprised that they're the sorts of people, or that he, yeah. they look like the sort of people who'd hang out at a roadside convenience yeah. store. Yeah, he takes a few paragraphs to, to really think through how they're really just kind of, they look a bit, I don't know, dingy. I guess, uh, to me, and I don't know, maybe maybe I'm misunderstanding roadside convenience store, but to me that just said, like, truckers, mm. like, 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 you know, and they're all sort of described as kind of, like, wearing flannel and, and, and they're quite, like, beefy. So <laughs> I, I, I was just sort of, I, uh, to me, I just thought he was implying that they look like truckers, which um, I was expecting, like, a nerdy D&D group type thing. So, yep. uh, you know, it was important for me to sort of get that image. Mm. And I just like that they look so casual. You know, Blake goes off on a bit of a thought tangent um, about, you know, how they just look like normal people and and a sort of <laughs> theme of this chapter is you can just be a bit of a casual uh, practitioner. Like, you know, the there's some doubt as to whether the Knights of the Basement were always like that, but they talk about some others who are just kind of, you know, dabblers, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, which is something that we've kind of seen in interludes, I guess. Um, but yeah, Blake yeah, it's hasn't been mentioned, really seen it. but it's not something Blake's ever seen, and and he kind of yeah. almost gets called on, called out on that a few times in this chapter, and because uh, <laughs> it's it's so very different to his experience of the introduction to this world that he can't fathom people would do it and and not be fighting for their life every thirty seconds. Mm, mm. Yeah. Uh, so Blake kind of introduces himself to the knights. Uh, there are four of them. And none of them want to introduce themselves to him. <laughs> yeah. My first thought to this was, well, that's fair. Like, you yeah, know, fair he, enough. they have been told he's a diabolist. And then I also thought Fell is the one who told them he's a diabolist. So I wonder if Fell didn't manage to sneak in some extra decoration around just introducing him as a diabolist to fuck with Blake, because that would be very fell so i i wonder if they didn't just know he was, it's a diabolist coming but fell sort of set him up to sound like more of an yeah. evil do you think fell has kind of been his hype man talking up how how, how bad he is <laughs> yep, <laughs> um, yeah yeah i mean the the knights are kind of on edge about meeting him right like he's a diabolist he's he's in air quotes working for conquest um yeah yeah he's pretty upfront about the facts well, he's pretty upfront to these guys about the fact that he's not really looking to work for Conquest. Um, yeah, his first two words were <laughs> Stop Conquest. Take down Conquest, fuck Conquest, yeah. Um, there's also a large cat that's brought up at the start here that, I don't know, I just assume that that may- was maybe a familiar. Like, I guess it could mm. just be a cat because uh, it doesn't come up again in the chapter. But it got me thinking about why an other would become a familiar to like a, a dabbler practitioner um because mm. you know they sort of need to get something out of it and we've seen you know in fabulous some examples of 
uh, how powerful ones end up with powerful practitioners. But I wonder if there's like these sort of low level spirits that are just like, yeah, you know, that'd yeah, be a I'll cool, <laughs> cool fifty year gig, whatever. Uh, just, yeah, just chill out in a convenience store for fifty years. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, they may this... not wait. They may not even remember why they signed up. <laughs> oh. They may they may have forgotten that they're another. Now they just live their life as a regular cat. <laughs> um, so the, we get introduced to one of my one of the themes that I really love in this chapter, which is um, Blake just kind of bringing the knights on side by being I don't know charming, friendly, normal. Uh, yeah, normal. He's yeah, he's just very uh, likable. He's he really kind of plays up that he's like a man of the people kind of thing. And he starts out with the knights being super on edge, but over the course of this chapter, he just kind of brings them more and more on side. It's a really great, it's a really great kind of recurring beat throughout the chapter. I really liked it. Yeah. I mean, I think they definitely were under the impression they were getting some seasoned evil diabolist. And then it was just this like 20 year old guy who kind of makes it a little bit clear that like, he's just some dude who's way out of his depth and in the middle of the shit and like, Hey, could you help me out a bit? Yeah, because, like, I guess if I were him, I probably would have played that angle even harder. Like, I would have been mm. like, hey, I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. Could you help me out? Uh, but I guess yeah. showing that much weakness might might not be as, as helpful. Um, yeah, and probably, he, I mean, Blake, I don't, I don't get the impression Blake is great at, like, acting, in air quotes. <laughs> I, I feel like the more naturalistic he plays it, the better. Yeah, true. There's also this line early on where the shotgun knight uh, says that he has this overwhelming instinct to shoot Blake with his shotgun. Mm -hmm. And Blake blames this on Pose. And, uh, you know, there's like this whole thing because Blake sort of implies it's like, oh, well, people get inverted. So, like, basically, that's just saying that you're a nice guy. Uh, (laughs) But it's interesting because my first thought before Blake said it was Pose was uh, I just assumed it was karma. Like, you know, the the spirits just giving giving this guy a nudge, being like, "Hey, just do it." Hey, just just kill him, just do it. <laughs> I mean, it could be both, yeah. but it, yeah, um, yeah, it probably is both, to be honest. And it's interesting because this, like, this is something I've been meaning to bring up for a while, and I keep forgetting. But I guess I'm now under, I, I'm now of the understanding that, like, if if Blake gets killed by Karma, or when Karma causes something bad to happen to Blake, that doesn't mm. like reduce the debt. Right, like it's almost like the bad luck is is your interest. Um, no, I, I guess. think it does reduce the debt. It, it's 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 an attempt to move closer to balance. Yeah, that, that was my understanding. But then you know, couldn't Blake just try and have bad luck? Like, isn't it kind of a good thing then when he's having bad luck? Um, well, I mean, in a way, <laughs> in some regards, yeah. But he's got like lifetimes and lifetimes of bad karma. So he's going to need to have a lot of bad luck before it even starts making a dent. Oh, that's my impression, at least. Maybe I'm underestimating just how colossal his his current debt is. Yeah, um, yeah. And so in some in some regards, I guess having bad luck is good, but you know, also it causes things like a sliding door to not open when you need it to. Yeah, I, I, it's definitely it's a long long term kind of a good thing but you got to be able to survive the bad luck long enough <laughs> yeah yeah um so blake has come here to try and you know win over the knights and he starts trying to offer things to them in exchange for allegiance uh he offers access to the books but they kind of the knights kind of think actually no we don't want too much knowledge so maybe just like a book every once in a while is all we really need which is 
it's interesting. It's something that's very different to to a lot of other practitioners we've seen. Yeah, well, it's particularly noteworthy because, like, they're essentially treating practicing like a bit of a hobby is sort of the vibe I'm getting. It's mm. maybe a bit more than, like, a casual hobby, but it's not something they're devoting their lives to. And, you know, like if you have a hobby, like, you know, if you get into woodworking and somebody says, hey, like, you know, help me out and I'll give you, like, access to all these, like, tools, machines and, like, resources on woodworking, that is like a good incentive like you know that is better than someone saying oh i'll give you access to some of my tools whereas <laughs> like it so it really shows like their sort of respect for the danger of practicing which i guess given what happened to them yeah. is very reasonable but uh <laughs> i think it makes sense <laughs> yeah it definitely does but like i i think i think that's sort of an important point is that they do have a respect or, or a fear of practicing and so less is more when it comes to offering them stuff which is kind of counterintuitive in a lot of ways yeah i yeah i i i get that i i also think it could be interesting to imagine like maybe they were just the situation they're in with the weird abstract demon stuff gives rise to so many interesting thought experiments because like they could have <laughs> been just the less engaged members of their group right like their group could have been like fervently active about bettering themselves as practitioners but <laughs> but those are just the members that got eaten off and now it's just the people who are like yeah take it or leave it yeah well they're the, they're the people who hung back you know yeah. like uh yeah, totally. presumably so it's like you yeah. know you have all the, the serious people who went in and and now and they didn't come out or maybe they and did i don't even know who knows uh, <laughs> but um, you know yeah. these are the people who just were you know uh maybe they weren't that committed and and now they've sort of had to double down on that without these other people pushing things along. Yeah, and the end result is they're happy being small potatoes, right? Which is, it's so interesting. The only real comparison we have, the only other practitioners who are in that same camp, really, is is the Briar girl who kind of just doesn't care about power and she just wants to live in nature, right? Um, I love yeah, that Blake... Yeah, or the, um, it, so what was the couple's name from Famulus, the, the Famulus example? Yeah, they yeah. were another one. Like She was just a bit of a dabbler. Um, yeah, at first, it's so, it's so interesting. I mean, Blake obviously doesn't know about Lacey and Vic. I think it was Rose who was yeah. reading that textbook originally. Um, yeah, and and it's like th this is kind of while he's in Toronto, Blake is getting exposed to the fact that there's so many different reasons to want to be a practitioner. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, wait, there's even this bit where the shotgun knight is sort of been like kind uh, of calling Blake out on how how much he's he's sort of being picky about the distinctions in words and blake's like mm. well you, you have to be when you're dealing with all these others right and shotgun knight is like man i don't, I don't handle all that shit like i just avoid them <laughs> yeah just um, don't deal with them blake <laughs> <laughs> yeah and blake's just like that's an option <laughs> <laughs> well not for him i guess um yeah so the knights also take an opportunity to kind of give blake some information about the other toronto practitioners right um a bit of an expo dump on on just some of the random practitioners around, some that we've met and some that we haven't met. Yeah, a good mix of other casual groups and then also, like, the, the top players. Yeah. We find out more about the Sphinx, uh, that she takes on mentees and kind of, if they pass her tests, she beefs, the, beefs up their karma, does something to kind of give them a spring in their step. Um, the Astrologer is a title that's passed between people and, and the lady that we've met is the most recent. Uh, we also learn about something called the Eye of the Storm, which is sounds 
horrifying. Yeah, it's some sort of disaster, like, spirit. Like, they mm-hmm. talk about how it came from um, fire and, you know, lots of cities around the world have had great fires. And apparently yeah. fire is, like, you know, even more of a thing than, say, like, a hurricane or something because of, like, how important fire has been to the development of humans. Uh, so yeah. the eye... I googled it. Toronto had a big fire in 1849, so presumably that's mm. where this eye that's came where the from. Eye came from, yeah. Uh, and and you, you got to you got to worry for London because I think London's had like quite a few big fires, you know, <laughs> over the last 1500 years. Yeah. Uh, so you know, uh, I hate to think what their eyes like, but there's also this thing. You know, it changes a bit, like as everything's moved towards electricity. The eye has like adapted a little bit. Which is neat, and and I like all these conf- like all these little tidbits about the other casuals. Like there's this, this secret society that's used to be a sorority, and they just do like real estate deals, and it's very like <laughs> it's the witches of Toronto. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just exactly what you think of when you think a movie made in the 1970s about like you know a witch cult in a small town. Like they they all get around and <laughs> yeah. and they they you know make deals with demons to impact like real estate prices it's it's hilarious i feel like there was an episode of supernatural that was like that where there were a bunch of like you know suburban moms making deals with demons (laughs) it's a classic yeah exactly there's also this mention of one uh, i assume a guy called the queen's man who goes between toronto and england and is serving a spirit of crown and kingdom yeah uh which I hope I hope that person comes back. I want to see. That sounds that cool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, presumably a spirit of crown and kingdom has sort of been diminished over the last hundred years because, you know, empiring was, was a much bigger thing in sort of the early 20th century and before that, whereas now, you know, most, yeah. of, the, most of the British Empire has sort of become independent throughout the 21st, oh, sorry, the 20th century. Yeah, but then, you know, I would have said similar things about conquest, but, you know. Oh, no, I, absolutely. I reckon there's... There's some abstract interpretations of of how the crown and kingdom can get power. I, I mean, I guess, and also diminished doesn't mean not powerful. I should say, like, well, yeah, you know, it could have gone from a hundred to ninety five, but it's still a ninety five. Yeah, I, mean, I guess, I guess we're talking about the the most successful colonizers here. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. A diminishment in power, you know, doesn't mean that much. Um, anyway, so they eventually kind of get around to talking about what happened with the abstract demon the real meat of of what what we wanted to hear about from the Knights of the Basement, or at least what I wanted to hear about. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, they don't really have much to offer aside from, well, we don't even know what worked or what didn't because we don't remember anything. Yeah. Uh, They can remember a few things that sort of were so ineffectual that the the Abstract Demon didn't even bother to, like, destroy them so they can remember it. Yeah. Yeah, this is pretty tragic. I mean, like... It, just thinking about this, the more you find out about it, the more it kind of hits you what it actually means. Um, their lives are just irrevocably altered by something they can't even remember. And, you know, just like Lacey and Vic, who we mentioned before, they're just kind of doomed to live out the rest of their days as mediocre. I don't know. It's 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 rough. Yeah. Like, back when we first found out about this demon... We sort of talked about how terrifying the concept of having yourself completely obliterated from existence is. Mm. And this section of the chapter really made me possibly even more horrified about the concept of having to people who are close to you. 
yeah. I, I think the bit that really got to me was um that that girlfriend of of Shotgun's son. Yeah. Um, uh, Marcy, and they they don't remember her last name presumably because her parents were killed. So like the concept yeah. of her last name was also obliterated, and now she's just sort of gone because gone. everyone around her. Was presumably killed. Like I think, if she's lucky, she's maybe in a mental institution in some sort of mm. ca- uh, catatonic state. Yeah. But yeah, like there's just the, just knowing that there's this hole in your life and and like the the wondering you do about that. It's sort of like when when uh people who are like relatives of someone who was missing, and, and you know, if someone's missing for a long time and they turn up dead, some families talk about how there's like relief in the closure. And mm. and that's sort of similar here. There's there's no closure available. There's just some gap in your life, and you're never going to find out what what happened there. Yeah, I I think so. There are four people that we see here, right? There's shotgun, shotgun son, uh, yeah. the woman, and the man. The other man, yeah. and and that's all we really see. And we kind of get the picture that that's basically all of them. <laughs> um, yeah. Shotgun mentions a wife, presumably his son's mother. So she's probably still around. She's probably not. Yeah. Eaten. Well, if, if he remembered her, then yeah. I wonder if she, if she had been eaten, like, would he not remember that that's his son? Like, yeah. it's crazy. Uh, yeah. Um, so that's this, you know, five of them, right? Roughly. Then, uh, yeah. counting, uh, Marcy's family, and Marcy, that's probably what, like four people, five people. Yeah. Um, then it's probably a safe bet that the large guy and the woman also had connections. So kind of conservatively, you you can imagine their group was at least what twelve, thirteen. Um, and they mentioned that they kind of investigated some bigger things like a factory and a and a and an abandoned farm. And so it it basically means they've lost what two thirds of their group at least. See, factory. <laughs> A factory to me implies that, like, it, it, like that is a conservative estimate. Like, you know, we could be talking forty or fifty, even. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's crazy to think. That's it. That's just their lives now. Yeah. Um. Terrifying. So eventually, they 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 also discuss the hyena, which is Blake's more immediate problem. But uh, they, <laughs> they 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 basically don't have any any helpful info for him on this. It's kind of unhelpful. Yeah, well, because they've just avoided that problem. Like that's a whole a whole bunch of fuck that uh, for a normal person. I totally get why they have yeah, just been like, sense. "Yep, yeah," like, "No, thank you." Uh, yeah, I like this bit where they're talking about how noise will attract more of the spirits, and Blake goes, "Hmm, it'll be stealth then. That's more my style, maybe." <laughs> is it? Which- is that your style, Blake? <laughs> Yeah, look, I'm not. I'm not going to say he can't do stealth because he did infiltrate. He, yeah, he did infiltrate Laird's like house, and that was cool. Mm. And he did some good sneaking and lying, or well, not lying. Um, mm. But stealth doesn't seem to be his first pick, or or at least yeah. maybe there haven't been many opportunities for him to. Like, I'd probably have to go back and think about. It. He probably hasn't been presented with any opportunities to be stealthy, but he does tend <laughs> to very quickly go for the like. Hey, I'm over here. Fuck you. Fuck hey, everything. Fuck over here. <laughs> yeah. kind of vibe. Which is yeah. the opposite of stealth. Uh, so I, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, 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 this statement just jumped out to me because I was sort of like, "Is that really your style, Blake?" That does. <laughs> not saying you can't do it, but I'm saying, do you? Yeah. 
Yeah, <laughs> you're right. I don't think it is his style. I don't, I don't know. Maybe a bit of self-delusion there. Although he does love using glamour, so maybe that's what he's talking about. Yeah, that's true. Um, and so then there's another bit. They start talking about uh, why doesn't he just, like, run away? Uh, the yeah. the knights are just like just leave Toronto like yeah, just he's leave. not gonna send he's not gonna send anything worse than the hyena after you and mm. uh, he sort of mentions that he has someone that conquest has, has sort of captured and he needs to save them and they're like oh do you love her and mm. Blake thinks that's a good question uh, do I love Rose is it narcissism if I do or is it familial love mm. and this really jumped out to me because I'd been assuming there was a familial connection there like i sort of view them as sort of twins like mm. i feel like if this was happening to me yeah. i would be viewing rose as, as a sort of pseudo twin yeah. and so familiar familial feelings seem like the obvious thing to have yeah. um but blake doesn't open with thinking about that or even thinking about the narcissism of kind of loving a, a vestige of yourself his <laughs> first his first question is do i love rose uh which is you know a bit telling yeah he doesn't he doesn't have an answer though, and and it's interesting no. because they're they're asking him. I, I'm going to pull out another quote from a, basically the same part where um, Shotgun asks, "You swore an oath? It hadn't even crossed my mind, but it was an easy answer to give." Yeah, well, I I made promises to her that I can't fulfill unless she's free, mm. and so it's pretty apparent that this is not the reason why Blake isn't leaving. Um, he's just kind of giving it as an answer to get them off his back, but he he doesn't really. He can't really justify why he can't leave her, right? Yeah, well, so to me, this kind of answered the question for us because mm. Blake is not trying to save her for, like, out of a sense of obligation. Like, or, or, you know, it's not like, yeah. oh, well, I made that, I made that deal with her. And, uh, you know, the, the shotgun knight calls it a stupid mistake, I think, <laughs> straight mm. after. Uh, and that, <laughs> like... But that's the thing, like, Blake, he's not doing it for this promise he made, even though that sort of serves as this good excuse. He's just, he just wanted to do it anyway, which I think kind of answers the question, uh, even if Blake hasn't really put that together. I wonder what Rose's answer would be if Rose was asked the same (laughs) question, like, do you, do you love Blake? I I imagine she would have uh, particularly strong mixed feelings at this point. Well, yeah, I mean, it's hard to give an answer to that when you are what what she has compared to being a slave <laughs> yeah exactly oh. mm. uh so through this kind of conversation blake has won over the knights enough that they want to help him um uh the shotgun knight provides him with some chain and kind of shows him a rune that will that will keep it quiet and they also give him a shotgun that's marked with like a wind rune that gives it a little power boost yeah some classic loot uh you know you get some loot from the knights of the basement <laughs> it it all adds up <laughs> Yeah, um, I really love, I just, it's so fun as Blake learns more runes or binds more, you know, spirits to objects. It's like, it's like a, it's like he adds a Chekhov's gun to his collection that I can't <laughs> wait to see how it pays off. Yeah, true. Although it's interesting, I wonder if this story's ever going to get to the point, like, I feel like usually when you have, you know, like, to compare it to something like Harry Potter, you start off and it's like every spell matters. But then by yeah. the time you sort of get to the end of the series, uh, people just popping off all sorts of spells because they've been at school for seven years. And I mean, it, it, at the rate this story's moving, like the four month gap in, in 1.1 excluded, um, you, you know, the whole, the whole story is going to take place in about a month. Um, but I wonder, <laughs> if there, I wonder if there will be that sort of turning point where Blake 
gets to learn a bunch of stuff off screen and then we're not sort of clinging on to every little trinket he's managed to acquire from some dudes on a roadside convenience store. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. No comment. Um, So (laughs) they also, they also talk about, or Blake brings up the ideas, some of the ideas that are in a book he's read and he's presumably referring to Black Lamb's Blood here. Um, Yeah, I'd assume so. Talking about whether diabolists can kind of bear the brunt of bad karma for dealing with the bad things because somebody has to, right? And so why not just let diabolists have bad karma and they'll kind of go in their way? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about this, Elliot? I actually, um, yeah, I mean, our notes are a bit janky here because I had written a bunch about this already uh, earlier and then saw this note from you and and just sort of copy-pasted all my stuff down here. So first of all, I hope the next interlude is this Black Lamb book, or like, well, you know, part of it, not the whole book, mm. because now I'm really curious what's in it. Um, <laughs> but the gist of this propaganda seems to basically be implying that, like, diabolists are the people who work in the shadows to serve the light yeah. uh, type deal, which seems like bullshit to me. I- I'm not buying it. Um Especially, like, because this came from the lawyers, just the fact that the lawyers would give him a book that opens with that is mm. is shifty as hell. Um, mm. And then everyone hates them so much. Like, the majority of the Diabolists we've even sort of heard about from the lawyers seem like absolute monsters. Yeah. So, and they're getting all this bad karma. Like, I think if you were actually sort of a soldier in this war fighting for order and, and karma, you know, we sort of talked about how demons and, sort of devils disrupt order it seems like it would be good karma to stop them from doing that Mm. uh so i i'm not i'm not really buying it Mm. sure all right well we'll see we'll see um (laughs) i want to pull out a quote that's just a great a great line great few lines uh where blake says you gave me your gun i said yeah don't suppose you give me your name nick he told me not an important quote just a it's just a great example of how good of an everyman Blake is in this chapter. He's just so likable. I love it. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, like, because he makes a point. There are, mul- there are multiple times in the first, like, third of the chapter where he specifically asks for their names. He's like, you know, he, at first they sort of say, we're not going to give you their n- our names. And then later uh, Blake's like, actually, I should really get your names. And they're like, nah. And so this really <laughs> caps off that feeling that he's won them over because, you know, Nick tells him his name he's not the shotgun knight anymore he's nick uh, third time lucky has more power in it <laughs> i hadn't even thought about that uh yeah good point <laughs> so now he's gonna use their names to what fuck them over <laughs> i hope not i like i like these knights of the basement yeah they're cool aren't they yeah yeah um so they're allies i guess <laughs> um yeah so uh one of the knights teddy uh, drops off Blake right at the edge of the forest and uh, doesn't want to take him in any further, which is fair enough. It's spooky. Yeah. Um, and Blake kind of gets out of the car and straight away is being pursued by ghosts. <laughs> I mean, I get, I do get the impression they're kind of everywhere, so this seems like it was maybe inevitable, but, uh, yeah. you know, bad luck for Blake, I guess. <sighs> yeah. Uh, so he's being followed by a ghost that is screaming about a car crash trying to call out to somebody called Day, uh, and his legs have been, you know, fucked up by this car crash, and he just kind of sends out waves of phantom pains into Blake's legs as he screams. 
Yeah, and like a sense of incapacitation uh, is how Blake yep. describes it. But like, man, fuck yep. ghosts! Like they're just they just walk around <laughs> spreading their trauma uh, like it's confetti. Yep. They are just trauma, localized trauma. <laughs> um, this is just a great threat, right? Like it's a it's straightforward, it's simple, it's easy to understand. It's a guy. He was killed in a car crash. His legs were fucked up, so he just kind of radiates leg fucking up energy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I really like the moment where Blake is sort of like, it's it's just like from the ghost, it's not a real thing. It doesn't actually really help him get up. Like, you know, he's he's sort of crawling mm-hmm. and, and he wants to walk, but, you know, just telling himself, oh, it's fake doesn't work, which I think is something a lot of, a lot of stories tend to, you know, be like, oh, you know, and then I realized the pain was fake and I could work through it. Uh, is something you see <laughs> and, and that always bothers me. So it was good to see Pact well, not do that. That, that, that. Uh, something along that vein, I don't think it was a negative, but something kind of along that vein happened in the chapter with, uh, with, with Pooze, right? Where, where Blake kind of realized, oh, this is June affecting my mind. Okay. Now I can kind of handle it. Right. And he kind of tries the same thing here and it's just not, doesn't work at all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess, I don't know. There's like a bit of a difference between a mental block, uh, that you can use your mind to, to work around versus just like feeling like your legs are falling off doesn't seem like something you could just be like oh no that's not really happening i'll just like go for a jog now mm. yeah yeah but no jog uh, <laughs> uh blake kind of scrambles up a tree to get away and hides and is uh startled by another ghost a little boy with a hood um who kind of <laughs> whispers creepily at blake and then jumps <laughs> off the tree and runs off and blake just is stuck in the tree by himself well, and the the little boy implies that there's a wolf thing coming, which I'm going to assume is the hyena because the Knights of the Basement said it was a quadruped. Mm. And I guess, like, an evil goblin quadruped might look a bit like a wolf. Sure, uh, I don't know. Could. But, but I, I'm pretty sure Blake saw this little boy last time when Fell drove him past. Like, I think he specifically described a little boy running uh, through the trees. So I, I went back and I looked after you wrote that, and there's a quote here that says... Uh, again, my eye caught a glimpse of another spirit in the hyena's woods. A ghost, I was pretty sure. A child in a long hooded jacket running between the trees. I wasn't sure, but I hadn't seen any wounds. Yeah, so and, and again, he, he <laughs> does kind of highlight in the tree that this boy has no wounds. So this is this is almost certainly a thing. Uh, what kind of thing? I'm completely unsure of, but... You want to make a guess? Who do you think this boy is? Yeah, go I, wild, I must... Elliot. Go big yeah. or go home. <laughs> I can't even think of a stupid suggestion to make that that adds up all at right. all. It, he's going to be a factor. That's about all I, I can even think of. But I, I don't even know if it's going to be a good or a bad one. <laughs> okay, uh, and that that's the end of the chapter. Uh, Blake is just kind of stuck up a tree, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> reduced back to man's most basic instinct. Yeah. So uh, that's the end of our of our, of our chapter. Uh, before we dive into some comments, I thought you know a reminder about our discussion uh, question that answers have already started coming in. I'm seeing some really interesting ones in there. Um, we'll be we'll be diving into some of our favorite answers at the end of our next episode. So make sure you leave your uh, answers to this discussion th- uh, question in the thread linked below. That question is: If you became a practitioner, how would you handle your Muggle relationships? Yeah, so, you know, I guess Chuck answers either in the discussion thread for this chapter or the previous one. Uh, we'll be picking out of yep. both, but yeah. Yep. Um, anyway, let's dive into some comments because there are really some fun uh, comments in the 
uh, comments for this chapter. I, I pulled out a little thread talking about the abstract demon, which, if in case you haven't picked it up, it's like <laughs> one of my favourite topics. Uh, I, it's such a great concept. I'm, I'm yeah. kind of holding off talking about it too much until we get to see it, uh, but yeah. I'm so excited. Uh, yeah, fair. Um, so I picked out a thread of comments by some users, uh, including Possum559 and Rafinius, talking about like why people haven't dealt with this demon yet. Um, the idea that they bring up is, you know, people probably have tried to deal with the demon, but you just don't remember <laughs> them, right? Um, and it, it kind of leads to this interesting thought about everyone's kind of treating this demon like, oh yeah, it's a minor demon, right? Um, and the reasoning yeah. they give is, you know, sure, it's powerful, but it hasn't really done much and it doesn't move around much. <laughs> and it's just, it's like, hasn't it though? I mean... <laughs> yeah, well, you wouldn't know, all... right? It's yeah. exactly the point, right? Like, for all we know, there's a giant scar going across, like, Canada or, or just North America, of, like, yeah. the, the waste this thing's laying in its path that nobody has noticed or yes, remembers. Yes, it could have totally subsumed places and... The Knights of the Basement are the first group of 40 people that have had any survivors, right? Like, for all we know, this 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 demon could have done some crazy shit, um, which I just love as a concept. Like, yeah, it's just minor. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I buy that, but it's definitely plausible. Um, like, like that's, yeah. that's the thing about this demon is you actually can't rule that out. Yeah, you can't rule out basically anything about it. It's awesome. Anyway... Just, I just love talking about the abstract demon. Yeah, so along a similar sort of uh, thread, like, or a similar sort of idea, threads a poor word choice in this context, uh, I have a comment from a user named Enju. Uh, mm. I assume that's how you meant to pronounce that. Uh, uh, I think so, it's Enjiao. <laughs> thinks that uh, it was sort <laughs> of noticed a running theme in Pact, which is that people tend to ignore their problems until they're too big. Um mm. And Blake is a sort of living example of what happens when you do this. Uh, yep. He's just been thrown into the, the deep end. And so Enjau specifically sort of talks about these demons around Toronto, like the hyena and everything. Like they've just been around for a while and nobody really proactively seems to fix these problems. Everyone's a bit yeah. sort of self-serving. Uh, Conquest is probably another good example. We've seen that Blake seems to think he's not that difficult to handle in a one-on-one. So... It kind of mm. just seems like while things aren't terrible, people are more than happy to just kind of sit on their asses and try and get a decent status quo from themselves. Yeah. I mean, I guess so many practitioners are defensive, right? They they don't want to rock the boat in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. And I, I get that because it is it is a world where perception can be totally fucked with and, you know, your impression of, oh, this person is easy to deal with could be just totally wrong and then you suffer <laughs> fates worse than death <laughs> i don't know yeah well it, it ties into what we sort of talked about last chapter about ignorance and all that and, and i think i think uh one of the responses to Angel's comment uh brought that up as well like there's this concept that people also don't want to learn more all the time and we see that with the knights of the basement mm. here like people don't want that to be their problem and and it sort of backs this concept of the Diabolus as warriors who are kind mm. of actually stepping up, um, you know, whereas everyone else is kind of just hoping the problem goes away, which, you know, you know, kind of adds up. Are you coming around to the book now, Elliot? <laughs> You're on board. Diabolus are the true heroes. <laughs> I, I, still, I still think maybe it's bullshit, but uh, it certainly ties into this theory quite well. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Some good comments. I, I really enjoyed reading through the comments of this chapter. Yeah, me too. 
But unfortunately, that brings us to the end of our episode. Um, hope you've enjoyed our discussion on 4.10. I really love uh, Collateral as an arc. It's uh, so much good shit in here. It's awesome. Yeah, it's a, it's a long one, but it hasn't hasn't been boring for it, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so now, if you want to uh, leave us your answers on Collateral 4.10 or leave us your answers to the discussion uh, question, um, you can do so by leaving us a message in our discussion thread which will be linked in the uh the 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 show notes for this episode that's right and if you want to help us out and and help out the rest of the doof network of which we're a proud member uh you should head over to patreon.com slash doof media uh and there you can donate and you get a bunch of cool perks for doing that it's worth it cool perks join the discord and chat to us and chat to everybody about all the movies that are coming out lately or if you're on Patreon and you want to throw some money in a different direction, you can head over to Wildbo's Patreon at patreon.com slash wildbo. Uh, he makes all these stories. So, you know, we want to help him out. So you should too. Go, go and give him some money. It'll be good. It'll be worth it. Yeah, it, it's a lot of stories and they're really good quality. So he definitely deserves yeah. something for his efforts. The feeling of guilt that you get when you, uh, when you read every new chapter of Ward every three days for free, that totally goes away when you back people on Patreon. It's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Yes, and finally, you can find out uh, more information about us and the rest of the shows on that Doof Network by heading to doofmedia.com. And in fact, I think on there, there's uh, we're heading into some of the final rounds of March's Madness. I believe uh, when yes. this episode comes out, uh, <sighs> we'll be down to the final four. So last chances yeah. to get your votes in. Miss Militia's already out, so what does it matter? You know, why even bother? By the time <sighs> uh, this episode comes out, we'll find out if uh, Amy managed to beat Imp. Uh <laughs> It it doesn't look good. <laughs> I'm not optimistic, uh, but you never know. Yeah, uh, there might be a mysterious last minute surge. Impu, that's what I say. Um, <laughs> literally. Uh, so if you if you want to uh, catch us for our next episode, that will be on Monday, the first of what April now. Gosh, getting into yes. the year. Um, that'll be Collateral Four Dot Eleven, and we'll see you then. See ya. <laughs>